Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and this is a podcast that is on the Scattered Abroad Network. We're a group of podcasts and a few other things that we do. We offer a blog and some other wonderful things that we have throughout the summer with some podcasts that are more just summer shows that we do. And if you're interested in knowing more information, you can reach out to us at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. You can also check the show notes. We'll have our information on our social media links and other things related to this particular podcast that might be needed for this episode down there below. And you can also, I'm saying also a lot, sorry, as well as you could request a report at your congregation. If you're interested in that, again, reach out to us at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. This season on the Far Better Podcast, we're talking about my favorite sermons that I've preached so far. And this is mainly because there's a lot of sermons that I have that I've preached that they don't really fit a specific theme. They don't fit a certain area of what I would want to cover, and I I can't stretch them into a 22 to 21 episode arc. And so it's better for me to have something that I could fall back on And so they're my favorite sermons I've preached uh, so far. I am planning on doing next season, I have changed my mind. I was going to do part two, but I'm going to save part two for another time. And I will be announcing what I'm doing for my season seven later. Let me pull up my files here where I can point out what episode we're on. This is season six, episode number... 14, 120 overall. What a milestone. 120 episodes on the Scattered Abroad Network. Wow, this one better be a good one, I guess. Today, we're continuing our study on the thief on the cross. We're covering the questions and concerns. There are questions that I would want to point out, I think are valid and legitimate questions. But there are concerns with each of those questions. So, A little different than what we normally do, I'm going to read all the questions, talking about the sincerity behind them, and then we're going to answer these particular questions with the concerns that come about with them. I said it last week, I need to say it again, because it bothers me that we don't really seem to understand this as a whole in some areas when it comes to the church. Doctrine deserves its day in court. We say all the time, innocent till proven guilty, right? Innocent till proven guilty. Don't assign blame until you can prove that I'm worthy of being blamed. But so often when it comes to preaching, we can kind of get caught just saying, well, this is bad and this is wrong, and we move on. Or we say, this is wrong because of X, Y, and Z. But one of the biggest complaints that I've heard from some people is that we don't really dive into the topic itself. We don't really look at what a doctrine teaches. We just automatically assume X, Y, and Z. And even if our assumptions are correct, even if what we teach from the Bible is accurate, it would be better for us to fully look at an episode, as we're going to do today, that deals with the questions that people might ask about a topic like the thief on the cross, and then answer those questions. Rather than just saying, well, the thief on the cross is this way because of this reason. That's what we're doing today. So, three questions, three concerns. 
Here we go. Question number one. The thief was never baptized, so why do I need to be? And it, I, I would imagine that most people that ask this ask it with a lot of sincerity behind it. Because why should we do anything if we can find a biblical precedent to not do that very thing? Uh, you know, there's, there's something we'll talk about a little bit later, but there are a lot of passages in the Bible that don't explicitly and specifically apply to us. So why do we need to do other passages? What's the mindset behind that? And after all, don't preachers and teachers promote that we only do what there's a biblical precedent or a doctrinal command to do? So how do we answer that, right? Hold that thought. We're going to talk about it. Question number two. If the Bible shows this, shouldn't we follow it? Because, I mean, again, the the Bible clearly shows that a man that dies without being immersed in the case of the thief on the cross, he's going to paradise. How then could we command people to do something that Jesus himself didn't even require of this thief? And again, that question is a legitimate question, I would say, nine times out of ten, that people genuinely want to know what can we be you know, assigning doctrinally about baptism from the thief on the cross. The third question that people often ask is this. Was this why God included this portion of Scripture? Was the reason that God included the section on the thief on the cross, did it have to do with the fact that God was giving us a doctrinal or biblical precedent to not be baptized? Because the section didn't sneak into the Bible. It was a premeditated, and it was even included for our benefit, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. If we cannot be saved like this today, why then did God include it? So those are the three questions. Um, And typically, again, we talk about these three questions We want to dive into them a little deeper. So here are some concerns that come up with these questions. Concern number one. Is Jesus not capable of cleansing sin? Are we to suggest that Jesus was incapable of not just forgiving this man's sin and saying, well, yes, I forgive you for what you did, but unfortunately you're still lost— Was he capable of cleansing this man's sin? Was he capable of saying to this man, what you once had, you don't have anymore? Who created the very life that this thief was blessed to have? Well, we know it was God, right? But see, John tells us something interesting. I've said this before on the podcast, but I don't expect you to have remembered it. John tells us, about the deity of Christ in verses 1 and 2 of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. But verse 3, John gives us a a bit of information that we're not specifically told in Genesis, in verse 1 of chapter 1. Because in John 1, verse 3, we're told this, All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
we have the deity of Christ and the pre-incarnate work of Christ in these five verses. The deity saying that he, he is God, verse 1 and 2. He was in the beginning with God, but he also worked and accomplished things with God. So Jesus created this thief's ability to have life. So we know he has dominion over him as his creator. And really, Jesus has also already laid the groundwork for being able to cleanse sin. If you go back to Mark chapter 2, in Mark chapter 2, there's this paralytic who's carried in in verse 3 by four men. And when they couldn't come near him because of the crowd, verse 4, they uncovered the roof where he was and they began to let down this bed that this paralytic was lying on. And Jesus sees their faith and he says in verse 5, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes are sitting there and they begin to say, whoa, 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 verse 7, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, uh, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Hey, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? Which is easier, Jesus says, in your mind? It's a brilliant question because Jesus makes something here that is incredible. In their mind, they think it's blasphemous for someone to forgive sins because only God could do that. And Jesus says, okay, well, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to give this man the ability to walk and not be a paralytic anymore? Watch verse 10 but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he got up, took up the bed, went out of the presence of them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. What's Jesus saying there? Which is easier, to forgive sins or to say to this man, take up your bed and walk? Hey, I can do both. I'm capable of doing both. So the Son of Man we know has the power on earth to forgive sins. Where were Jesus and the thief at the time of the crucifixion? They, they were on earth. Who, who was Jesus? Well, according to Mark 2, 3 through 12, specifically verse 10, he's, uh, he's the Son of Man. And therefore, Jesus had the right to look at this man and forgive him of his sins. This would not be the first time that that had happened under the law of Moses. This would not be the first time that that had happened under what we would call Jewish law. So it's not an unprecedented event. So based on that alone, we could say, okay, we're going to stop the podcast right there. But there's, there's two other concerns we've got to talk about. But I want it to be known right off the bat, just from Mark chapter 2, the Bible teaches that Jesus had the ability and the right, if he so chose, to forgive someone of their sins. So concern number two pops up here. Do we have to do everything that the Bible says was done? Now, I want you to focus on the way that concern is phrased because it doesn't say, do we have to do everything the Bible says we have to do? Uh, do we have to do everything that the Bible says was 
done? And there are some questions that come about with this, a few in particular. Number one, when was the new law in effect? Well, it would have to be after Jesus died because Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 says, where there's a testament, there's a necessity to be the death of the testator. A testament is only in force, verse 17, after men are dead. It's no different than if you and I had a will and I kept cutting you out of the will and putting you back into it because I'm temperamental and one moment I like you, the next minute I don't. That will only becomes of force and in action when I die. Some have suggested that since the thieves had their legs broken, John 19, 31 through 36, well, that means that they would have been under the New Testament at that point in time and would have needed to be baptized in order to make it to heaven. I want you to think about what that accusation says, though. Yes, I understand. Jesus has died. There's no doubt about that. He was dead. He didn't have his legs broken. He was dead already. So we can't deny that Jesus had died, okay? But that would mean if this accusation is true that these thieves had to get off of the cross and then go and be baptized— that would mean that Jesus, knowing that the thief could not be baptized, lied to him by promising paradise. Something that he could not have been given if he was required to be baptized. If that was part of the law that he had to reach in order to do this. Well, when was the church established? Was it right after the crucifixion, immediately after? Oh, no, certain sources say it was some 50 days after Calvary. Well, that would mean that the thief would not only need to not die on the cross, but somehow live for 50 days and then be baptized in order to get the promise that Jesus gave. It wouldn't matter when the thief died. He was promised paradise no matter what occurred after the promise of Jesus. So are we to suggest that simply because we find a scripture that gives a command that we should follow it no matter the context? Think about that for a second. Are we to suggest that simply because we find a scripture that gives a command that we should follow it no matter the context? There's an issue with that line of thinking. We can piece together various verses of scripture and they will not necessarily apply to us. For example, look at Matthew 27 and verse 5. This is, of course, after Judas has tried to give the money back to those religious leaders. They wouldn't take it. And he throws down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself, Matthew 27, 5. So the Bible says Judas went out and hung himself. You've probably heard this before, but just indulge me a little bit here. Luke 10, 37, Jesus says to him, go and do thou, go and do likewise. And John 13, 27 says, what you do, do quickly. All of these verses come from the Bible, but they don't relate to each other. And if we're to take this line of reasoning seriously, then we are all expected to follow out any specific command that is given in Scripture. So that means, just to name a few, you got to build an ark. Genesis 6.14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and outside with pitch. you got to leave your homeland and go to a land that God will show you because Genesis 12.1 says... Abram, get out of your country from your family, your father's house, to a land I'll show you. And you got to go to Nineveh, by the way, and preach to the people. Jonah 1, 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cried against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Here's the issue with that. 
The world's not going to be destroyed by a global flood, Genesis 8, 20 through 22. You and I are not Abram living in the land of Ur, Genesis 12, 1. And Nineveh has been destroyed. Zephaniah 2, 13, he will stretch out his hand against the earth, destroy Assyria, and make Nineveh a desolation, as dry as the wilderness, and it was reduced to dust. What do we know about the account of the thief? It's no different than that of Noah, Abraham, or Jonah. It was specific to the thief. And so, the only way that you and I could be saved like the thief on the cross is if we found ourselves hanging on a cross in the same way, time, and vicinity of Jesus and have the same interaction with Jesus, then and only then could we be saved like the thief on the cross. That's concern number two. Do we have to do everything that the Bible commands and says was done? There are some commands that are specific to us And there are some commands that were specific to others. Concern number three. If we only examine the salvation aspect of this account, we miss the actual point of the story. Is it the case that the only reason that this was included was because God wanted to muddy the waters about salvation? Well, no, God's not the author of confusion. We know that in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. He's he's not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. This, then, the saving of the thief on the cross, was included in the scriptures to show something. You can't deny that it was included for a reason. What was it intended to show? Jesus' grace, love, and compassion towards mankind was evident. He, He wanted this thief to be saved. Why? Well, he came to do the will of the Father. And that was to seek and save the lost, Luke 19.10. And God doesn't want anyone to perish, including this thief, 2 Peter 3.9. And so hear, hear me carefully here. As we close today's podcast out, we miss the point of this section of the Bible when all we discuss has to do with how the thief was saved instead of the fact that he was saved. Instead of only focusing on the how, let's realize the amazing fact that he was able to be saved, that he wasn't deemed too far gone. Then we can look at the how, and we can ask the question, is the how a viable way for us to be saved today? But I think we've come to the conclusion, at least I've come to the conclusion from what I've studied, that from our concerns that we've listed, there's only one real way to be saved like the thief on the cross, and that is to be the thief on the cross. And that's not possible. And so next week, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the answer of this question. We've kind of answered it already, but I have a few other things that will kind of tidy this up, I think, give us a perspective that will give us the information that we need for 2023 and beyond, depending on when you're listening to this. But until then, check out all the shows on the Scattered Abroad Network. And let's live where we please God now, so our eternity is far better.